There once was a high school English teacher named John Shred. All his friends called him Jack. For decades, Jack Shred taught at Notre Dame High School, an all-boys Catholic school in the shoreline town of West Haven, Connecticut. In a school populated by competitive jocks and snarky sons, Shred was always the smallest guy in the classroom. But there was never a doubt who was in charge. He would bond with the boys with some banter about the ball game, and he'd handle the class clowns by clowning them right back. Ever the wizard of words, Jack Shred would twist those attention-seeking students' jokes into pretzels, and they'd slump in their seats. When it was time to start the lecture, he'd open a drawer in his metal desk, and he'd take out an old, tattered copy of that day's book. Perhaps it was The Great Gatsby, author F. Scott Fitzgerald's magnum opus, a novel laced with themes of pursuing the American dream. Jack Shred would clear his throat, and he'd begin to read. Tomorrow, we will run faster, stretch our arms farther, and one fine morning, then he stopped. Did they understand the words? He stared at his students, the jocks, the jokesters, the honors kids, the sons, the brothers, the room full of potential just waiting to be unleashed on the world in a few short years, if only Jack Shred could get through to them. Did they understand the words? This book, he said, is about the forces that get in our way. Some seen, some unseen. It's about growing disillusioned with your odds of being exceptional in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But if you want to be exceptional, if you want to run faster and stretch your arms farther, you can't just expect others to give you something. You're going to have to work for it. You aren't going to be handed one simple secret to success. Instead, embrace that it's a journey. Embrace that it's about your body of work. Not a sound in the classroom. Given some advanced equipment, we might have heard the machinery of all those students' minds whirring frantically, trying desperately to make sense of the message. But at age 16, well, these students sure as hell felt the emotions... But did they understand the words? The bell rang. Class was over. Each student filed out in silence. Many of those students didn't understand the words. But at age 16, they sure as hell felt the emotions. And really, that's what mattered. There was once a high school English teacher named John Shred. All his friends called him Jack. I called him something else. Mr. Mr. John Jack Shred, my high school English teacher, the greatest teacher I ever had. My name is Jay Akunzo, and this is Unthinkable. Today, we continue our journey to understand what it takes to trust your intuition. We're trying to figure out how to use intuition as a tool, as a practical weapon, to do what Mr. Shred encouraged us to do all those years ago. Now, this part of our show is actually meant to be heard in order, so be sure you started a few episodes back with the episode titled, Our Journey Begins. If you haven't started there, be sure you do. 
Okay, so last episode, we encountered this leap, this cliff in the jungle, as we hack our way towards that mountain peak away in the distance. And to try and make sense of that leap idea of why we feel so scared or unable to trust our intuition, we heard the story of Neil Pasricha, creator of the blog 1000awesomethings.com and a prolific author and speaker. And we heard the story of how he encountered this massive leap in his own life and how he used his intuition to get across. But just like in the book Great Gatsby, just like in Neil's story, it's easy for us to start pursuing that dream we have and and then get disillusioned. It's easy to look around us at all the average stuff, the, the commodity work, the cheap tricks being used in our industry, and just assume that if we want to succeed, that's what we have to do. And then we say, oh, trust your intuition and it'll lead you away from that. And and suddenly it feels like such a damn leap. And we assume that to get across, we need some magical single thing, a simple secret, a, a single motion, more budget, more permission, more time or team or, or training. Or maybe we need to go get a better job or create that one perfect project. Whatever it is, it feels like this leap that we have to take this one swift motion. But in the words of my favorite teacher, Mr. Shred, we can't wait around for somebody to hand us that one simple secret. And and nor does one simple secret even exist. Instead, it's about that body of work. I mean, the only real secret is that there are no secrets. And once you embrace that, getting across this, this chasm doesn't require one swift motion. It requires that we build a bridge. In other words, it's a process and one that we can control and improve. Or said another way, what if we cared less about making the leap and instead focused more on building the bridge? There's always going to be kind of like a reason why not to make something. And you can look for those or you can just look for the one reason to make something and just go do it. This is Alec Brownstein, the vice president of creative and the executive creative director at Dollar Shave Club. People sometimes come to me and I'm like, that is a great idea. You should make that. And then it's always like, well, but I don't know. And what about this? And what about that? And I'm just like, who cares? Just make it. It's great. Go make it. And then the next time I see them, I'll say, did you make it yet? Have you made it? Why haven't you made it? It's great. Today, I want you to listen to what Alec has to say. We, we first told this story a few months ago, almost a year at this point, and it took us this long to figure out what we should tease out in our journey to trust our intuition. Now, Alec offers some really great perspective and and one amazing story of an unbelievable side project that changed his career forever. The goal is for us to use what Alec has to say and make sense of this idea of, of making that leap, or I guess really building that bridge. I'll be back at the end to try to figure out with you what we just heard. But for now, here's Alec. So for me, my creative energy will come out one way or another. And if I don't have somewhere constructive to put it, I get very frustrated. And unfortunately, I'll start becoming destructive. So side projects for me have always been an outlet. Uh, for me to channel my creative energy and sort of like my restlessness uh, and also to be fully in control of something. 
too often when you're working on a project for someone else or you're contracted to do something for someone, you have to deliver what they want even if you don't think it's the right thing. But when you do a side project and you're sort of in control of it from start to finish because there are no deadlines and there are no requirements, it's really an opportunity to do what you think is best and, and sort of exercise every creative muscle. Now, this sounds nice in theory, but Alec is someone who's put this into practice. He's launched countless side projects in his career. For example, he's written two different books. Uh, I created a site called leaveitontheprinter.com. Leaveitontheprinter.com. This hilarious site lets you select a pre-written template, like let's say a note from a doctor about uh, an embarrassing disease that somebody has or an acceptance letter into a nudist colony. And you can add your friend's name and just discreetly leave that letter on the printer at work. And what it would seem like is your friend had accidentally forgotten to pick up his welcome email to the nudist camp. Other projects included Tweet Forger, which created real-looking screenshots of tweets from celebrities saying whatever you typed into the app, and another project called Mitflops, which were flip-flops featuring the face of Mitt Romney and two opposing viewpoints on the same issue, one on the left foot, one on the right foot, using actual quotes from Romney. So depending upon the political winds, you could stand on the correct foot. Um... Let's see, another one, I'm probably pull up my site. So, so at this point, Alec literally pulled up his site to remind himself of what other projects he's created because he's created so many that he can't keep them all straight in his head. But of all the projects he's launched, and there are dozens, there is one that looms the largest. This project would go on to reach billions of people, that's billions with a B. It also changed Alec's career forever. And it's called the Google job experiment. Here's what happened. In 2010, Alec decided his career goal was to work for one of the top five creative agencies in New York City. But just one problem. Alec had zero connections to those agencies. So what most people would probably do in his shoes is start going to networking events, or maybe they'd just send their resume cold or apply to online forms. There's just so many average approaches to getting a job, a job that you feel is exceptional. Alec did none of those things. Instead, he thought about the creative directors who might hire him, and the fact that they probably Google their own names more than once or twice a month. I mean, let's be honest, we've all done that before. He also noticed that in searching for these creative directors himself, there were no ads appearing on the results. So he thought, what if I bought some Google AdWords? What if I ran some ads addressing these creative directors directly using their own names? It would say something like, hey, Ian, Googling yourself is fun. Know what else is fun? Hiring me. And the link would go to a landing page with a brief video summarizing his career accomplishments and why he was a good candidate. Of the five he targeted, Alec got interviews with four. He got job offers from two. And he went to work for Y&R. So, so what, I, what I do is I'll, I'll start with some type of a weird, absurd idea. And then I just like, I'm just so interested in what will happen if I make it a reality. And more and more craziness just kept happening because press got a hold of this story. And so Alec appeared on TV and in the blogosphere. And Y&R was very smart to take advantage of the, the public interest. And so they placed this story all over the place. And 
I was actually working at Google on the AdWords team at the time that this happened. And I remember this internal buzz on our team. There was some guy out there that no one had ever heard of using the product in this atypical and amazing and and almost uplifting way. And it's all because of how Alec approaches his work. All of these projects are worthwhile because they're sort of building my body of work. So while a specific project may not have caught fire or made a million dollars or grown into some humongous thing, someone may look at it and say, hey, wait a minute, check out this thing this guy did. This, I hadn't seen this before. This is pretty cool. Maybe we should hire him or maybe we should you know, bring him in to speak or maybe we should hire him as a consultant because he's done this thing. So I view it as just sort of pieces of experience, even if they don't succeed. And I also have found in my experience that people respect that, that people don't necessarily say, what a loser. He made this project that never got off the ground. They'll say like, that's pretty cool that you did this. It didn't necessarily catch fire, but like, you know, respect to you for making it. Alec realizes that doing exceptional work is not about launching the project, and having an exceptional career is not about landing the job. You're going to have lots of jobs. You're going to launch lots of projects. But the goal is to have a bias to act, a desire to build that body of work. This requires that you keep two differing ideas together in your head at the same time. Caring deeply about the quality and success of your work, and not caring at all. Or said differently, caring so much about doing exceptional stuff that right now you're willing to just start, even if it's not that great, because that's what it takes to get there. The project is not who I am. The project is just what I'm doing. If you define yourself and say like, oh, this project will determine whether or not I am a success in life, then the stakes are too high. And you're either never going to make it or you're never going to let it go. There's Lots of people have lots of ideas. And then it's rare that people will follow through and make the ideas. And then I think it's oftentimes people are like waiting for permission to make the idea or they're waiting for perfection. My attitude is like it's the internet. Everything lasts for about five minutes and then you're on to the next thing. Just make it. Make it. Chuck it out there and see what happens. Make something bad. And then the next thing you'll make will be a little bit better. That project you have in your head right now is not who you are. It's simply what you're doing right now. And you'll do lots of things if you're to have a great career. You'll make some good and you'll make some bad. That project is also not your legacy. Your body of work is your legacy. So instead of thinking, this one project is the key to all meaningful work, think this body of work is the key to my meaning. And you won't create that body of work by sitting around thinking about doing something. No way. You'll only create that body of work by actually finally doing. So what are you waiting for? Just make it. It's great. Go make it. Okay, modern day me is back here, and uh, let's make sense of what we just heard. How do we avoid this fact that it, it still feels like a leap 
to trust her intuition. I mean, one example is is just all the brands that people cite as examples of great creativity. This is just one small instance. It's like, who, who does a great job on the content side? Oh, Red Bull, Disney, Nike. It's like, yeah, well, I'm not them. They weren't always them either. It's just we have this we have this reaction, this tendency to disassociate like someone's on the other side. We're over here. I can't jump that far. And so we either say, nope, I can't make it across or we go out and look for something that we believe will help us jump like that. It's a technology that we purchase when we don't really need the tool or it's a guru that we worship because we believe that person has already jumped across. But nobody actually leaps. Yeah, Alec Brownstein is the VP of creative at Dollar Shave Club, a wonderfully creative organization that was bought for over a billion dollars just a year and a half ago. And yeah, he's launched something like the Google Job Experiment, which reached billions of people through the media and landed Alec his first dream job. But it didn't start that way. It started with him launching dozens of side projects that, quite frankly, most people never even heard of. He faced smaller leaps first, than the bigger and bigger ones that we heard about. And he didn't try to jump across each time. He tried to build a body of work. He built a bridge across. Okay, so it's not actually a leap to do exceptional things. It's just how we view it. And if we view it instead as building a bridge, what does that mean? What does it actually mean to build a body of work? I think in the case of Alec, you could hear him talk about all these past side projects with with such joy. And the one I told you about, the Google Job Experiment, had some kind of end result attached to it. He wanted to get a job. And whether your tasks have some end result tied to it or not, I think the more important lesson from Alec is find small places to deploy your intuition, right? If your intuition is that tool to build the bridge, find small leaps and use your intuition in those spots. Let me give you an example. If you're running a blog, rather than try to create the most epic blog ever, it's the industry leading source for XYZ and it's beautifully written, it's on this aspirational plane alongside your favorite media companies, rather than just try to leap to that, come back to reality and see if you can use your intuition to, say, improve every intro paragraph that you write for a set number of weeks. You don't need any guru. You don't need any permission or budget or more time or team. Just focus on telling a compelling story or using a compelling analogy as you open each article. And as you do that, you'll find yourself using that intuition for bigger and bigger things, from one intro paragraph to several, from several intro paragraphs to several articles, from a few articles to more content to eventually the whole blog and the way it's positioned and all of your marketing and so forth. So if it's not a leap, if it's about building your body of work, you can't just go out and like create a ton of stuff in an instant. You have to start. You have to dive in. So I hope this is making sense because for me... I'll always see those like headlines that people share on Twitter that promise some kind of final answer for me. And I feel like, oh, I should click that and read it because if I don't, I might be missing the right way or that thing that'll let me jump all the way across this leap. But instead of obsessing over everyone else's answers, I think intuition requires that you ask yourself the right questions. That's what intuition is. It's the ability to find knowledge from within. It comes from the root word in Latin, intuir 
knowledge from within. So intuition then is the ability to find that knowledge from within. In other words, the process of thinking for yourself. And the way you think for yourself is to ask yourself a series of questions. So let's go back to this leap idea. We're on the edge. We want to get across, but the problem is it feels like we can't jump that far. So rather than try to get something to be able to jump that far, just don't think of it as a jump. Think of it as a process of building a bridge to get across. And also, if you're thinking, I need to get across right now, well, then you should have been trusting your intuition earlier so that you can leap that far, right? If you're like, well, that's great. I want to do something exceptional, but my boss wants a result right now, or I have a deadline and and it still feels like a leap and I don't have time to build a bridge or a body of work. You should have started earlier, right? So start right now so that in the future, you don't have to rely on other stuff. You don't have to do more average work. You can do something exceptional because you'll come to the same size leap as you face today and it'll feel like nothing. It'll feel like, oh, no problem. I, I know how to build this bridge across and in seconds I'm there. In the same way that when Alec finally realized that he wanted to work for a creative agency, he could just do it. He just launched the experiment. It sounded so simple, but if you or I attacked that same problem and didn't have Alex's pedigree of launching dozens of unknown side projects, we could not have done that. So nothing I said today is going to make that next attempt at doing exceptional things feel easier. What will make it feel easier is if you start tackling smaller leaps right away with your own intuition. If you have to do something that feels like it's under your control and you get that urge to go find out what the expert says you should do, stop, don't pursue that, think for yourself, what is your intuition telling you, and act on that. And if you fail, it's okay, it's a side project, or it's something small for work. But the goal is to start honing that intuition, start building that body of work, because in that body of work is where you take all these leaps. It's where you deploy that intuition. It's where you use that tool that we're trying to make practical instead of ephemeral here. And it's time that we start trying to build small bridges so that when we come to the big leap, the big bridge feels easy enough to build. Okay, end of rant this week. But it does leave us with one very big question. If this is about building our body of work, if it's not a leap, if it is a process to to trust your intuition, then let's take a closer look at this idea of starting small. How does that work? Who has done it? And where does that plug in in this journey that we are on to trust our intuition to do meaningful work? That and more next time on Unthinkable. This episode of Unthinkable was written, hosted, and produced by me, Jay Akunzo. It is my last episode that I'm publishing before I make the move to New York City. So if you're in New York City, let's meet up or give me a shout. I'm moving there for the first time living in, uh, in Queens. Can't wait. Also, be sure to subscribe to the weekly email. Every Monday, I send out the the new episode, and I also create a couple of goodies just for the newsletter. For example, I have something called a meta moment which is kind of the behind the scenes, something I tried or how I made something within the episode. It's the benefit of making things for other makers. You can share the thing you made, but also how you made it in the event that it's useful for you. 
Uh, the other thing I do is I do a little video teaser, a little video take, very informal on-camera shoot that I do, um, just breaking down the episode and, and telling you what I think is important in that episode. So you'll get the video, the meta moment, and I have another section called email antipasto, little bites and snacks, little things that can wet your palate on your way to the main course episode that week. So that, that email list is at unthinkable.fm. Be sure to subscribe via email there, unthinkable.fm. That is the episode for this week, but I have to be honest, I don't think you should just trust me. I think you should trust your intuition, but more on that next time. For now, here's your space to feel stuff.